I prefer a pepper grinder over a gossip mill. <laughs> Dumbest. That is bad. Some say I stir the pot, but I know I just smoke it. Oh. <laughs> Wait, that was so good. Mine was like, it literally just came to me because I just rewatched Salt Lake. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shout out Heather Gay for saying gossip milk because I just got my tagline. I was actually like a little nervous that I wasn't going to have a tag. That hasn't happened in a minute where I was like, oh, I don't have one. <laughs> it was a good one. Thank you. It was quality, but yours was better. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 360. I do feel like I just woke up, even though I quite literally did not. But I feel a little extra mellow today. And I feel like maybe spiritually I've smoked pot a little bit, possibly, <laughs> potentially. Like, I, it's just like maybe I'm part of this morning's and this episode's personality. And so who better to just have like a chill, nice, you know, a little, little bit of a deep dive. One of my favorite people, you know her as a writer, producer, host of the podcast Pot Psychology, owner of the phenomenal shop destination location du jour, pipedreams.fun. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Tracy Morrissey. Tracy, how are you? Thank you. I'm very well. I just, I had a little, a couple bites of cheesecake for a late breakfast. I feel like Dolores' mom. (laughs) Wait a second, it's literally 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I didn't have anything else to eat. I've been avoiding it for so long. It's been in my fridge just like tempting me. And so I was like, I just need something to settle my stomach real quick. Hopefully not super long, though, because it is a cheese-based dessert. Well, right? For me, a long time is about a day. If it's okay, living, in, okay, if it's cool. like something like that and it's living in my fridge, I feel like my willpower is... It, it, that's a long time for me to go without doing anything about it. Now, question for you. Is it a cheesecake that you procured? Did you make it? Did it just dr- get dropped off by the gods at Cheesecake HQ? <laughs> no, my boyfriend brought it over and I'm trying not oh. to eat dairy, but it's like it's one of these little minis. It's like oh, yeah, these, it I me. think they call them like little oh, guys cute. or something. It's like it's of a junior. they do. <laughs> I mean, that's the closest I'm going to get to saying my boyfriend dropped off. I'll just be like, here's my little guy. But it's like literally a small plated dessert. Um, when, when, has, when did this relationship begin? I don't know that I knew oh. you were you were in a committed sitch. Yeah, um, like three years ago, but it's been off and on. <laughs> I just I just choked on my cinnamon spice tea when you said I thought you were gonna be like four months or something. No. <laughs> Literally three years ago. No, we've been like so we've been like uh, we were together and then we were long distance. He lived in Chicago, and oh, we got God. together like wow. um, like a couple months before COVID, and then it was long distance. He was in Chicago. It was really difficult, so we broke up like after like less than a year, and then we got and then he moved here. He moved onto my block just by coincidence. What? I know it's so I convenient. Mean, it's like the best thing, and um, and then we started like hanging out again and as friends for like a year, and then uh, like six months ago we started back in for real, for real. Wait a second. So this fucking guy moved from Chicago. He's your ex at that point. 
and yeah. happen to move directly to your block. I mean, I yeah. know Manhattan real or rather Brooklyn, apologies, real estate is it can be tough to find a spot, but like your literal did he t- did he give you a heads up or did you just run into him one day? No, no, no. He I actually invited him out for sex and then he was like <laughs> Oh, like a year, like two years ago or something. And he was like, um, or yeah, maybe like a year and a half ago. And he was, he, so he came out and he, um, I mean, ended up getting a job here the next day. He had a job interview. He just randomly got one. And so then he like packed up his stuff and then his friend, his friend lives down the street. He has a whole house with a pool and everything. So he invited him to move in there. Um, and that's just like a coincidence that he has a friend that like lives on my block, but I actually know a lot of the people on my block and a lot of people are like friends from other areas of my life. So it's a a very nice neighborhood. But you know what? That's so nice. I feel that way about like the local shopkeepers in my neighborhood. Like I'll go in and say hi to my frame guy, my, you know, dry cleaners, um, select baristas. But I take a lot of pride in the fact that I don't know anyone, any neighbor's (laughs) names or interests and truly rarely personality types. It's one of my favorite things about living in my building. We truly do not want to know Uh, each other. Oh, I know. I talk to everyone. And I have a dog that I walk, so I end up seeing all the dog people and we talk. And then there's just like all these like really old, very kind, sweet Italian people that have lived here their entire lives. And um, they're so nice. They've always been so nice to my daughter. They love her. so it's, yeah, it's like a friendly, it's a very nice, friendly neighborhood, aside from the junkies <laughs> and the crackheads that, you know, well, come by time to time. Vibe, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's like it a gives little it the spice. there. <laughs> yeah, you want a little bit of a sparkle in New York City living. Um, You know, I've actually been to your, I don't know why I'm saying actually you know this, Um, <laughs> have been to your place of residence before. It's gorgeous like you are living your best life it's fabulous you've got a fucking house like who has a goddamn house in new york city it's the perfect size for a single mom it's like it's just the perfect size for us you know me and una oh yeah it's a big space though it's nice yeah Not not overwhelmingly big but like beautiful thank you comfortable yeah. Um, do you is. ever envision yourself leaving? I don't know how that would even no, work. Why would you never, want to? Never ever. And then I'd never be able to afford to buy something else. <laughs> mm. I can envision myself maybe getting like a place upstate as like a as like a weekend place, but that's kind of far off in the distance for me, money wise. Do you remember? I don't remember how long ago we recorded this, but we were talking about. What it had to have been Sonia, right? We were gonna like go yes. on a little go see and yeah, like yeah, yeah. check out her. I was just thinking about that recently because I drove past her place <gasps> and I was like, oh, and I was thinking about how like we pretended to be a lesbian couple when we called. <laughs> <laughs> Real estate I think agent. you took you took the lead on that. You were like, you know what we should do? We should go on a goddamn. We never actually did it, but you no. Did, they wanted to like, look at my financials, but I mean, they could look at my financials, and it would. I mean, I would. I mean, I have good credit. <laughs> I don't know if I could get like a nine million dollar mortgage, but <laughs> I could. I could, you know, make up some bullshit. Do we know? Is, she, is it, it still in the to- market? 
I was about to say, like, it has to still be on the market. Not no disrespect to Sexy J to Sonia Rita. She's not going to be able to sell it in this. Sangria. There's a ha- there's gonna be a housing crash, so she's the interest rates are crazy. Uh, it, she's never going to sell that place for that price anyway because it's next to a parking garage, so that's got to be so annoying. The thing of it is, it is next to a parking garage. She has. I feel like she's changed the price of that fucking house so many goddamn so many times. times. But I, I don't understand why it hasn't sold. I know it's kind of outdated or whatever, but it's also like a nice spot on the Upper East Side. She has that beautiful garden space Garden's in the great. back. Like, why? What would it take? Do you think for her to be able to just get rid of it? I think she has to do a total, like she has to put on a new roof. I think she probably has to install an entirely new HVAC system Um, because people come in and then they, you know, they're going to look around and they're going to see like, oh, I have to do this and I have to rip out this flooring and I have to blah, blah, blah. And these tiles are all broken. Like just to do a kitchen is like at least $100,000. So you think like all these different spaces and the house is really big. I'm sure the elevator needs to be serviced. Um, so she probably she would be better off just like renting out rooms or something. She must have a basement there, right? Well, she has that basement because that became a part of her, you know, um, one of her story arcs was like cleaning out the basement and seeing all of her daughter's toys. But the thing, uh, it's odd that we're kind of talking about this because have you did you listen to Bethany's podcast, which just premiered? Not yet. I think like yesterday, the day before. I haven't either because hashtag self care, and it seems like it's going to be a real tough journey to get through, just from what I'm hearing from people. But um, it's doing great. What What's the premise of? She's rewatching old episodes, or she's watching so, the new shows. Great question. So I think it's that she's talking about classic episodes I don't think that they're specific to New York but like so for example I believe that the premiere episode has um guest Elizabeth Moss who you know love she's getting good guests um, huh wow I know oh, well that's the whole thing is that like she's gonna have like prestige people um because okay. she's so great um uh she meaning Bethany um so I guess they talked about like Scary Island, but during the course of that episode, and again, I haven't watched it. Apologies to Bethany Frankel. I'm sure she's absolutely devastated to hear that. But um, so I guess they're they're talking about whatever and maybe some casting stuff. And the premise, I guess, is that it's like a deeper dive into these moments and Bethany is sharing her perspective. And then there's, I think, some sort of specific lens over each episode like Susie Orman's gonna come on and they'll talk about financial stuff but I don't know the okay. Elizabeth Moss of it all I think it's just like you know iconic guest and you're just talking who is a proud bravoholic which is incredible and they're talking about these moments but anyway Bethany apparently shares because it it hit the blogs it hit the the press that she was the one who was able to save Sonia from potentially potentially being fired. I think in season 10, like producers had told her that Sonia wasn't like giving drama and Bethany encouraged her one night to like, 
be more expressive or explosive and then Sonia was and it was like oh my god Sonia's job has been saved and through the course of that Bethany also described Tinsley as a part of it and said Tinsley's a nobody and of course both of those moments got a lot of attention for this premiere episode which was going to get attention anyway and Bethany took to social we're recording this Friday morning Bethany took to Instagram stories last night I don't know if they're still there but I watched them and over the course of no joke a solid minute talking to camera like literally four Instagram stories did a Bethany Frankel non-apology to Tinsley where you could tell she's gotten a lot of feedback from people being like, how can you call Tinsley Mortimer a nobody? She like literally had a Dior nail polish named after her. She was a huge yeah, socialite. She's an it girl. She was a huge it girl. And so Bethany's like, listen, I use the word nobody, but what I meant in that moment was like, you know, she was living with Sonia and then Bethany's just kind of stammering, insert words. Yeah. I mean, I'm, that's me every five seconds. But like not knowing quite how she was going to drive this conversation. But obviously, Bethany felt like she was not going to say, I'm sorry. So mm. she tags Tinsley. She tags Sonia. She's like, and with Sonia, you know, it was just like a way to help her, blah, blah, blah. But with t the Tinsley thing, she was just like, you know, it was misinterpreted what I said. And when I used the term nobody, I actually just meant that like, you know, she was like not kind of she was kind of like not doing well. I didn't mean when I said nobody, you guys misunderstood essentially what she was trying to say it's your fault <laughs> it's it was a, it was absolutely the listener's fault for misunderstanding Bethany's intention the woman who quite literally coined the phrase I know it all hmm. um and you can't be what is it you can't act smart and stupid at the same time anyway yeah. Sonia took to this is bananas Bryce Sander posted this and I was screaming within two seconds Sonia sent this to Bryce and said, this is Sonia's response. I love Bethany and she always has my back. That's for sure. However, the top executives, meaning not the producers on the ground, always told me that they could count on me to get epic material at the townhouse with hashtag Team Sonia. Whenever one of the other scenes had to be canceled, they never had to pay a fee to come to my house and use my elevator <laughs> like they had to at apartment buildings. They said they could always get gold filming me, even just talking to my poodle, not even having to have a conversation with a person. I've always brought the comedy. In fact, that's why I've been doing a comedy tour to connect <laughs> with my fans nationwide through Sonia in your city. I also had Hotels.com reach out to me for a collaboration at the townhouse. It was some kind of branding event showing people the house on tour. In addition, I've had several companies reach out to me to have tours at my townhouse, and people love that idea. Reaction was huge. I was very tempted. However, it's currently rented. I'm rarely there. It's usually rented. When we film Real Housewives of New York, First Wives or whatever it's going to be called. I'll definitely be back in the townhouse for that because I know my fans love seeing it. 
They've said it through social, what they want to see from the basement to the garden, to my bathroom, to the apartment Luann stayed in on the fifth floor, to the suite Tinsley stayed in. I can also say washing the lingerie in my bidet was one of the biggest memes ever for me. And also when I said I used to be classy and now I'm trashy to one of my interns in the bathroom on film, it was huge. That was, and it's like so connected to us talking about her apartment. I took a screenshot. I was not planning to read that in full. I'm glad that you did. I wanted to hear it all. I, all right. So I have a question. Please. Season 10. Was that the season when Bethany like ripped into Sonia for um, the tipsy girl? Is that what Bethany meant by saving her on the show? I truly couldn't tell you the one thing, not one thing. I mean, there are many things, but one of the things I'm absolutely terrible at is remembering what happens in what number season. It's like truly not one of my uh, niche uh, shenanigans, but let me just do a quick little Google and see. Okay. It's season nine. Okay. Got it. So this is, so this is Bethany Frankel told, or page six covered that what Bethany said uh, during her debut episode years later, one of the producers, I will not say who in the car said, I think we have to let Sonia go. And that Sonia was being a disaster, was only focusing on her ongoing townhouse problems and various businesses. There was a scene at a restaurant called Cherry. I don't remember this. A sushi restaurant where I just light a match about her and Tinsley. At that point, Morgan was maneuvering through her friendship with Tinsley and the whole who had moved in. Like that whole thing of like, you don't you didn't thank me and the Bergdorf Mm. Goodman gift card and stuff. And so Bethany continues, Tinsley started out living in Sonia's townhouse and was basically a nobody who had been arrested. That's where she said nobody. But up to that point, she had this rich guy sending flowers and Sonia's poor and bankrupt. Oh, my God. I said something to stir that up and it lit up Sonia and she launched in. She did not let go. That's an absolute fact. I have the receipts and said that Sonia resurrected herself. Here, I'll say this. Yeah. Bethany can be a real bitter Betty about stuff mm-hmm. um yeah petty betty she's like all right so she's done this before about rachel zoe where she like just says like they, that person was nothing and they only have their money because of their father like she tweeted about that like i honestly it's like 10 years ago it was so long ago oh my god That's yeah weird. it was really rude and she was like a total bitch about it and um and she's like that about tinsley and it's like so like her like I don't know if it's like jealousy or envy or like it's I think it's resentment her resentment is like so strong for people like that and it's like Bethany like you had a rich father like you have a famous dad like um it's the thing is that like I don't appreciate like I'm not that into socialites like I don't really care but I'm Mm. because I don't not trying to be that so like it doesn't make me mad that there are people that exist that are socialites like that because like I want nothing to do with that world. I just and so I can watch it from afar and kind of like, you know, enjoy it as entertainment. <clears throat> I think Bethany has always been kind of like resentful of not having not being that, not having that, not getting like, you know. And the thing is like would she even want that? Would she want a rich husband or like to give her all her money? Would she want a rich father? She wouldn't. I don't think she would want that because she's very like driven. So, well, I mean, at, at one point, I don't know if it was during that season or a, another one that uh, that Bethany said that Tinsley set back feminism 100 years. Yeah. 
But who sets back feminism when it's like Bethany, when she's like fucking slut shaming Luann and, you know, ripping into uh, Ramona's and with her ageism on that. Like I thought that I always thought that was kind of bullshit. Like being a feminist isn't just like being good at business. It's, it's not just like having a job, you know, it's like being uh, kind to other. I mean, not necessarily being kind, but like not discriminating against women for things that you wouldn't discriminate against men. Like, I don't see, like, her saying anything about, like, men who are trying to look young. Maybe she has. I don't know. I've never heard it. I've heard her say a lot of things. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, I mean, it is – it's a interesting kind of journey for Bethany. You know, in terms of feminism, I've always thought that feminism is, like, quite literally just the definition of like men and women should be treated equally Mm -hmm. under the law and and I'm sure in greater society as well and so I think people sometimes confuse or conflate that with a woman being able to make the choice for herself of how she wants to live her life it feels like Bethany has a lot of frustration and judgment over the choices that Tinsley has made of how to live her life but the whole point to me of feminism is like Tinsley has the right to make that choice if Tinsley wants to be in a potentially traditional relationship she has every right to make that decision and determination and for her her idea of her own womanhood and identity is it's not up to Bethany to decide but this gets into the larger issue with Bethany because Bethany feels like she is an expert in everything and the reason that Tinsley would succeed on the show or Tinsley's identity which predates housewives in greater pop culture by well over a decade plus like Mm -hmm. because bethany doesn't have that history she was on you know martha's apprentice but nobody gives a shit about that like i've never even seen it i i I don't even remember if i did um but like for bethany maybe there's a little bit of a annoyance with the fact that tinsley wasn't made from housewives in the way that bethany was but that to me doesn't even make sense because Bethany is such a huge, incredible historic example of monetizing housewives in the way that she did. And yet the lessons that she's learned from that all seem to revolve around the idea that Bethany really, truly does know it all, that she is the expert on everything and people should thank her for their own success. And I think the confusion here is because Bethany has talked about how toxic housewives is, how it um, hurt the idea of women succeeding and and how troubled the idea of doing that reality TV, how troubling that doing continuing to do that kind of reality TV would be for her, for her to now flip on that and try to monetize a housewives podcast. But obviously she's like, while still holding on to, I think some bitterness about her experience or the continuation of yeah some resentment it's like it gets it's kind of confusing because she's gonna have people on the show who I think love housewives and obviously love her but I don't know that she can separate the two you know does that make any sense I don't know if that makes any sense I'll tell you this well first of all um you know Obviously, it's like I'm not turning to Housewives for my feminism or anything like that. Um, It's entertainment for me. But I do think that um, Housewives is really like 
one of the only places that you see women of this age, of a certain age, mm-hmm. <laughs> like living their lives. Like that, there's not a lot of representation of that um, in other shows. Uh, but also what I'll say about Bethany is that she made a great underdog and a friggin' lousy top dog. Like once she was on top, she wasn't so great. She kind of like was shitty. She was a, she was shitty, but always good for the show. I thought. Yeah, it feels like to Bethany the idea of being humble is a character flaw. Except yeah. that I can't even really say that because I think she assumes we all think of her as humble because she was like ripping into Luann for like all the cabaret stuff and saying that she's drinking her own Kool Aid or whatever it was. Um, which is like, that's pretty rich. <laughs> Talk about the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, I mean, she literally, Bethany only wears the colors black, white, and red when she's filming Housewives because yes. they match with her company logo. It, but, yes. But for Bethany, it's like the idea of making fun of Ramona for coming out with a different business every hour. Ramona's like the New York one weather alert of small businesses <laughs> in that she's like constantly coming out with one, but like, You throw a lot of darts at the board, you know, like you throw a lot of shit at the wall to see what's going to stick, what's going to fly. Like Bethany did that. You know, she started the whole thing with Bethany Bakes Um, Mm. and it was supposed to be like vegan uh, baked goods. Yeah. And that wasn't really Mm -hmm. working. And then she found her real success with Skinny Girl. So it's like you have to do a bunch of shit until you find out what's the thing that's going to work. You know, maybe true faith or true whatever it was that (laughs) Ramona was doing. Maybe it wasn't selling. Although I thought Ramona Wine was doing well and then they stopped selling it. I don't know why. Yeah, I think that it was, I don't know how well it was doing. I think it was like, it's one of those things of like, I don't know if this ever really monetized. I've tried it and it was really fun to try, but like. Yeah, I never even got to taste it. Yeah, it was, I can't believe that it wasn't a bigger thing because that was a genuinely super smart idea. It was. I think that was also a little too early. Like that was, that was Mm. pre like Instagram, right? It was like pre like Mm -hmm. direct to consumer type shit. Where, like, you could be an influencer mm-hmm. and you can sell your things directly to, pe- to people who follow you. Um, I-, I always think about that. I think about, like, how, like, early housewives, like, like Alexis uh, Bellino and people like that mm-hmm. really missed out on that kind of thing. That, like, sort of revenue stream. Oh, Alexis. Love, love, love how supportive she's been of her son. And yes. I loved her. Um, it actually was perfect. I'm shocked. I am shocked at how like well she's doing with this. And like uh, her uh, Instagram where she discusses it was so mm-hmm. perfect because she just repeatedly said over and over, my son, my son, my son, my son is this, my son is this. And it was really like, it was really affirming. And I thought that was like so great. Yeah, I mean, there's an idea here of growth, which can happen in real life and is always the goal for people that over time, and it doesn't have to be through a political lens, but really through like a humanist one, that people potentially have the capacity to grow. And what's unfortunate is because we watch them through the lens of very specific narrative reality TV, you know, during a time in Alexis's life when she was in a a difficult a marriage and trying to kind of break out of a role um, to see the way that she has changed and evolved with time, either because of time and circumstance and also because of um, the way that her family has changed and adapted following her divorce. It's like, it's incredible to see. She posted an Instagram 
she put up an Instagram post introducing her son essentially to the world who is a child living a trans experience. And it was incredibly beautiful and Mm -hmm. emotional and lovely. And it's, I think to a lot of people, it was surprising in the best way to see a woman who was communicating so beautifully the love of her child and hopes for her child and protection of her child in a way that was wonderful and it was a a beautiful surprise I think to a lot of people that was received really well as it should be how old are those kids the twins I have no idea I want to say I want to say like in the 12 to 14 ish yeah because and that's pretty young she had twins and then an older child yeah so I think it's one of the twins Yes, one of the um, twins. I think the older one, the um, the older one is really good looking. <laughs> I think he's like, <laughs> he is. He's gonna be hot. Um, I I think <laughs> the way you just shrug and you're like, he's just he's gonna be hot. He's just it's he's just gonna what be it hot. is. It's like a, yeah, I'm just stating the facts. Um, but the I think and that's like for like 14, 13, 14, mm. that's really young. Like a lot of parents would just dismiss like what their 13 or 14 year old is saying. Cause they're like, Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You'll grow out of this. You'll blah, blah, blah. And it just like, it just really shows how much she like listened to her kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds great. like listened to her kid for a number of years. I mean, this is mm-hmm. a process that the family had been going through, I think for a significant period of time. So for her to listen to her child in that way and really, provide for her child in um, having a loving environment for however long, you know, uh, this family transition has been taking place says a lot about her. But it's it's kind of I think the goal that a lot of people have in their lives, which is the idea that like, wow, I can look back on how I thought of the world before and how I think of the world now. And sometimes that happens with personal circumstance that sometimes it happens with professional challenges whatever it is and just be like wow I'm in a different spot than I was before but there's something beautiful in seeing the world as I see it now and Mm -hmm. I look at the way Bethany views the world and it's like it feels like her world has become so small cynical and cynical and you know for someone who's obviously talks so much shit about housewives as she's moved on to other failed businesses and you know her um hbo max show was a fucking shit show to see bethany now try to take ownership of talking about housewives because she's gotten a lot of listens and is now saying i own this space i'm so smart for thinking of this idea which is a boiled over version of what has been done for many years by other people, albeit those who don't have housewives on their resume. It's like kind of the opposite, you know, for someone who does so much good work and so much charity work, her own personal view and landscape of housewives, it's just kind of gotten so micro. You know, I, I'm going to bring up this book. Is Rosie O'Donnell wrote this book, and I have to tell you, I couldn't recommend it more. I loved it so much. She wrote it in like while her show was still on the the Rosie show, and she had already come out and stuff. And she got this book deal, and they like it is artful. Like she writes about a a weird story of the of like 
because she's got was very involved in charity like like Bethany like mm-hmm. hands-on involved in mm-hmm. in foundations and programs and like helping people personally visiting people you know doing that kind of thing mm-hmm. wait let me find the name of this book because I loved it so much it's such a fast read um that you wouldn't even and it's she tells her biography of herself but it's like woven into this like other kind of like mystery where she's like trying to help like a 14 year old pregnant girl living in um like the west coast and uh it's just find me it's called it's so good and anyway so she she talks about her philanthropy and the work that she Mm. was doing and she's so frank about it she was like you know that was just an extension of my ego she was like I just I wanted to be I wanted more accolades than I was already getting I, it was all like and she's like yeah it's like, and it manifests itself in like a good way when I do that kind of stuff but it is still just me like being invested in myself and my own ego and I thought that was like really like bold to say and really like um uh I don't know um god my my long COVID I can't think of words anymore it's been really hard <laughs> I trust me I had a brain episode in May and there have been times where I'm recording Andy's scrolls that the listeners don't know that happened because because God bless an edit where I have to stop and I'm like I literally there was an episode that I did where I there was dead air for I think like at least 45 seconds if not more work because oh. I couldn't think of the word that I wanted to say which was so devastatingly painful so I hear but I, yeah. I so I get it but I but I hear you on what you're saying. And yeah. I also think like, you know, Bethany is someone who's done so much charity and and created so much incredible, enormous goodwill. And it's just so unfortunate she can't be more charitable toward the people she worked with on Housewives and also to the idea of the Housewives community. It feels like the yeah. only ways that she will celebrate Housewives are when she herself is being celebrated. Oftentimes... Mm-hmm by herself like literally creating the universe which is to me a little different from how other housewives who you might also describe as being somewhat self-absorbed even think of their time for Bethany it's like she has to remind people of how good she is and I don't want to take that away from her but I also think like but who are you now like you make fun of these women yeah you had a lot to say about Sonia living in the past, your idea of Tinsley's values being from the past, but like, how are you operating now? It doesn't feel like you're creating Mm. something new. You're allowing yourself to be seen as a housewife. That thing you seem to have a lot of bitterness about some of it understandable, I'm sure. But like the other part of that is the, the lack of understanding or nuance or depth even to the world of like podcasting and to the world of the ways that people talk about housewives is so small minded that it's like, it's hard to try to understand Bethany's success as being anything other than numbers. Cause even the way that yeah. she's talking about these, her cast members on the show, it's, it is, um, it feels very small. Mm-hmm. You know what I think about all the time? <clears throat> Tell me. Is that Ramona was right on the Brooklyn Bridge. She oh. really was. She really was. She fucking called it. Like, the thing is, is that Ramona 
says things that are extremely hurtful, but they're hurtful because mm. they there's like a there's a truth in it, you know. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what she did. She she does she she cut like but it seems like Bethany just like cuts people out of her life like it's no big deal. And I'm sure that it's because mm-hmm. of the way that she was raised. Um, I would I'm sure I've said this on your show before, but I would love 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 if she would come back to the show and then go to couples therapy with her mother. That is what oh I think that is what needs to happen. happen. She'll never oh heal. God. She'll never heal unless she heals her relationship with her mother because right now she's setting an example for her daughter that uh, daughters can stop talking to their moms if they don't like what their moms are doing. And that's not a great example to set. Like she should be setting an example of like, you you know, if she really wants Bryn to, and they seem like they have a great relationship, whatever, teen years haven't hit yet I don't think um but like it mm. just you to, to make it seem like it's okay to just stop talking to your mom like Bryn is Bryn is taking that in whether Bethany wants her to or not okay I hear you and I am not a parent um but shout out to my fish son PK love of my life um but I kind of have a little bit of a counter to that, which is like if someone is in your life who is incredibly toxic, potentially emotionally abusive and has and Bethany experienced, I think, a significant amount of trauma as a child. If her mom doesn't respect her relationship enough to have boundaries where there can be some sort of glimmer of um, safety in having a relationship with her. Why should Bethany be open to that? Like having a child doesn't preclude you from wanting to have, uh, to create, a, a, a boundaries with emotional safety. If her mom is not, it, if having a relationship with her mom is just allowing toxicity to run rampant, why I think sometimes saying goodbye is like the most loving thing that you can do from a child as a child to a parent to protect even Bryn's own understanding of mother-daughter relationships. I would argue that like Bethany not having a relationship with her mom is an example to Bryn of wanting to create a loving environment for her. I don't know. Don't you think like if her mom's a piece of shit, like I don't think that Bethany should have to have a relationship with her mom because it's her mom. If her mom, if there is no possibility here for a any kind of like healthy vibe and Bethany has tried to reach out to her mom as an adult and has talked about it like there was a point where Bryn said I want to meet grandma and Bethany was like okay like I'm open yeah, but then to Bethany it I decided love my child she, so much. she didn't want to right <clears throat> because her mom was talking to the press about what a piece of shit she was and Bethany was like okay I tried to open the door but now I there's a lot to me to like criticize about Bethany when it comes to being isolationist because I think the I think the co-parenting stuff is really tough. She did the same thing to Jason. If it were up to her, Jason would be out of her life forever and out of Bryn's life forever. I don't think that she thinks that it like she the the hate that those people have for each other is so much greater than the love that they have for their kid. And that's really fucked up. That's like so upside down. Listen, I'm a co-parent with someone that I fucking can't stand mm. like I don't want to have to be tied to him forever but I realize how important he's like a key figure in my daughter's life it's very very important that he's there and that I communicate with him because otherwise she can you know just you know play us off of each other which I'm sure Bryn will end up doing when I mean, she's a teenager in Manhattan are you kidding me 
So I I don't know. Just because we've seen Bethany do it so many times before that um, that I just uh, like even if it's just even even if it weren't weren't just her mom, like it's Bethany does it to like everybody. So her kid sees these people come in and out of her life, you know, and and she just and she she X's people out. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa, obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. 
Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a Top Chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francaise. Head over to homethreads.com today and live your best real housewives life. Go to homethreads.com slash scrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's homethreads.com slash scrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. The thing about Jason is that I have read a lot of, as I'm sure you have, a lot of the coverage of their bajillion years long custody battle that I They're think- They're still not wrapped, divorced, right? I, it's like, I think that they are, but I think the custody stuff, I think the custody stuff only recently sort of wrapped because Jason acknowledged that, I think it was something along the lines of like, Bryn is making a choice at this point and there was so much that was revealed that I feel like I shouldn't even know about Bryn's anxiety as a result mm. of this like ongoing years long battle between her parents and yeah. I think that Bethany at this point has like full primary custody I don't know Bryn's relationship with her dad which is very unfortunate but I do remember at one point they're like court ordered I'm going to fuck this up. I'm going to say like some sort of like custody mediator or something. Yeah, I remember that. Addressed the court, right? And said like, I've done this work for 20 years and it's like the only time I've ever quit because he said it was so difficult to break through to both parents. And I think toward the end of it, this person, this like expert was like, listen, I was like sort of able to get through the mom. I wasn't at all able to get through the dad. And it is to me the like, there is a dream version of, to me, the idea of truly loving your child enough to find a way to co-parent, but sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. And I don't know that Bethany could ever take responsibility for her part in that. But I also think it's like, I don't know, I, to me as an, a complete outsider to parenting, um, I would think the hope would be to find a way to ensure that your child has a relationship with both parents. It's like something that Tamara Judge talked a lot about. Yeah. Right. Like it's, what was that it, thing called? It's like separation something or other. A parental alienation. Something. Yes. And people, there are people who claim that parental alienation isn't real. It's a real thing. It happens oh, to sure women and men. Um, yeah. But and I and and. I think that Bethany, like she, I, I just read up, she got full legal and primary custody and she no longer, yeah. I think she didn't want to have to pay him child support. I think that was a big fucking issue. Like it, it just, it, cha it chapped her ass that she had to give him money and it would, it would do that to me too. I would fucking hate that. But at the same time, it's like, 
you you don't want your kid to be in your five million dollar Tribeca penthouse 50 percent of the time and then go to I don't know like a railroad apartment in Brooklyn like you you want your kid to like have like some stability and consistency you know what I mean um but I just also think for the most part like the fact that these two people were so evil to each other that and and you know divorce just brings out the worst in people it really does and it makes totally. you act so much worse than you really are it just is like brings out the absolute like worst features of mm-hmm. your personality and it, and it makes you mm-hmm. kind of crazy um but I also do think that water seeks its own level and that's why Ooh. they found each other you know wow I that is that took me back oh my <laughs> water seeking its own level in that yeah yeah I think that sometimes divorce can change and also reveal a person and it just makes me at the end of the day I just feel honestly so sad for Bryn and my hope is that sometimes some if if this is the best you know call for her and journey for her I hope that she does have a healthy positive relationship with her dad like who knows hopefully they communicate in some way if that's the right choice for her I think the whole the sadness of how awful and ugly that battle got is the the knowledge that as I as a Bravo fan can find out really yeah terrible ugly details about their battle their kid will too and it's like the hope is I don't know how that changes when it's like a celebrity going through a custody battle and you can find that information so publicly and a lot of that information is also being guided by the parent who can afford to have a crisis comms mm-hmm. team and a publicist and yeah. the way that even her narrative is shown but his is not like the alienation from a, a fame celebrity level and how I'm even interpreting interpreting what happened I think is really unbalanced and unfortunate but I don't know man it's like it's the dumbest thing I can say but the thing that I feel the most which is like I really wish them the best (laughs) from that because I just think I do I I, like I just think like you to come out of that as the kid I just I I hope that she's able to have a relationship with both parents if that's the healthiest move for her you know like if that's well that's what I was saying like it it would be you know it's it would be a lot easier for Bryn like to like she might change her mind when she gets older and she might see things really differently and be like Mm. oh my mom pushed my dad out and oh my mom did this and blah 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 and then she might have resentment against Bethany and then might want to cut off communication with her at that point and that's what I'm saying is like that's why you need to fix shit the foundation of your stuff before you continue to go because like it doesn't even seem like Bethany had any closure like I'm sure that there is nothing ever healthy about the communication between her and her mother like that she probably needs a mediator for that relationship so I don't know that's just that's my two cents I feel like you know I had difficult problems with my mom for a while and I was like I need to fix this because I don't want that to be the example that I show my daughter that like it's okay to like you know just x your mom out I completely agree. And I also think something that my psychiatrist says to me a lot is like, your mom knows how to push your buttons because she created them. Yeah. And <laughs> there is that, like, there is that kind of like, totally. I did, 
I did um, therapy with my mom a single time, uh, maybe four years ago. It went so well that we'll never do it ever again. But, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, there is also the idea of like at a certain point, there as a as a way to develop, I would think, and people who actually have experience in this were like, "What the fuck? Shut the fuck up, Sarah! Don't talk about this." But like, the way to, the the way that we sometimes push away our parents is the ability for us to grow and become yeah. human, independent, mature adult people. Like there is yeah, that happens in your twenties and stuff, but not in your fifties. Well, no, I think, but I think it also depends on when you've experienced trauma, because I think if you experience trauma as a child, sometimes your reaction to things as an adult will revert back to that childhood mm-hmm. self. And I mm-hmm. think with Bethany, maybe some of her reactions to things as an adult are probably connected to the trauma she experienced as a child. That being said, like, I don't know that closure exists for people, but I do think that when it comes to healing and the opportunity to heal, she could certainly work on that in her own journey without the presence of her mom, because at a certain point, your mom is always present. Even if you don't have her an experience or a relationship with your mom as an adult, even if you have an alienated, totally separate, they're cut out, the likelihood is strong that you still have a relationship with your mom, especially if you've been through trauma. You carry that with mm-hmm. you. And yeah. some people can call it baggage or burden. I think of it as just honestly history at the end of the day. And so hopefully she's worked through that or is working through it. I think, you know, Bethany is an expert in some ways on certain things I would never take away from her, but she's also almost a little bit of a warning in others Mm -hmm. of like this is what happens when I don't know this is what happens when you've completely disconnected and for a woman who was so grounding to so many of us who I loved for a number of years it is as the underdog as she is now yeah because she is she is as you said it's like the top dog underdog it is it is her constantly having to remind us that she's so good at this and it's unfortunate there's no capacity for growth in other ways but you know maybe she'll change who knows listen we talked about bethany frankel for a fucking hour i really want to talk about lisa barlow (laughs) can we talk about lisa barlow let's shift gears because i have questions tell me let's talk all right um I have seen every single episode of Salt Lake City, at, you know, this season, all the seasons, whatever. I've watched some of the episodes a couple of times over. Um, I yeah. am very, very confused about the fight about Heather's dead father and Lisa. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get I, I don't think they've did, they've done a very good, a uh, very good job explaining like what the hell's going on. Like so Lisa tweeted something that was proof of something. Did Heather really lie? I have no idea what's going on and I'm never I'm never usually at this kind of a loss when I'm watching this show. You know what I mean? Do you know? Do you understand it? So from my limited understanding from what has been communicated I think through the show Heather said during the most recent reunion Mm -hmm. that Lisa wasn't there for her and as an example of Lisa being superficial and disconnected from what Heather experienced Heather said well Lisa was like hope your dad's feeling better essentially saying she was communicating through text in a flippant way 
that without any understanding of the gravity of the situation, um, that she was just kind of half-assing, I hope your dad feels better after her father had passed. And then Lisa said, I "I didn't say that. Right. So then Lisa tweeted receipts showing that she had actually said, you know, like, hope your dad's feeling better, whatever it was, while he was still alive and shared an obituary of her dad's passing to just say, like, listen, you, you spoke ill of me. You tried to characterize me in a different way. Here's proof of that. Heather is now saying that because a cousin reached out to her after this became a part of the conversation and said, I don't want to be, I don't want our family to kind of be involved in this. Heather seems to be saying that Lisa's responsible for whatever rift has taken place, which stemmed from Heather bringing this stuff up at the reunion. But at the end of the day, essentially, so Heather, Heather did is lie. Hor- Heather, I don't know that it. I don't know that it's lying. I think Heather was wrong, and Heather's now saying, "Listen, I was I was wrong about the dates, but what is upsetting to me is that you don't seem to care about the pain behind that." And Lisa's saying, essentially, what I care about is the fact that you're calling me a piece of shit, mm-hmm. and I'm just trying to reset by just countering what you said on national TV. Yeah, okay. All right, now I get it. Thank you. And so now is Whitney, and now Whitney is on Lisa's side or no? Whitney just kind of sees both sides, like Chanel. Well, the interesting thing to me about this dynamic is that it feels like Heather is now in Lisa's position when it comes to Whitney because it feels to me a little bit like I don't know. Heather feels like this person is trying to characterize me in a certain way. And I'm pushing back on that with what I feel are the facts, which to me is like the flip side of what's been going on with Lisa. Like Heather was in a certain role with Lisa. And it feels like with Whitney, those those uh, the tables have turned a little bit. Do you think? Wait, repeat it. (laughs) Okay, it feels like to me. It feels like to me a little bit like with the, with the dynamics with Lisa, Heather is sharing information that might be a surprise to Lisa, and mm-hmm. she's upset at the way that Lisa reacted to it, which feels like a slap in the face. Okay. And, and with the Whitney dynamic, it feels like Heather is now in Lisa's position, where Whitney is sharing information that Heather may not have known and as a result of that, she's upset at the way that Whitney is, seems to be characterizing their friendship. I okay. personally happen to be on Lisa and Whitney's side. I'm thinking I am too. Right. But like in examining how Heather feels, I wonder if Heather could ever, and maybe it'll come to being at the reunion, that Heather would ever understand that like in the way that she's pushing back on Whitney, she's sort of supporting what Lisa previously said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. But here's the thing, too. All right. So yeah. Angie, what's her name? Angie with the H. Harrington. Angie, Angie, Angie Harrington. Hate her. Hate her. Oh, my God. Hate she's her. a great person to hate. Do you think she's that a, she so, actually. She's such a good villain. Do you think she did Shaw Exposed and her husband just took the, the brunt of it, like, for her so that she could, like, be around those women? Like, he's just being, um, like, a her white knight or whatever? 
don't know. I think they're honestly both such trash that like yeah. I could see him being like, this is a funny idea and her being like, go for it. I think if there was a way to show receipts that she was liking all of Shaw Exposed stuff, that would be interesting because one of the other people, one of the other, there's like 18 friends of, but one of the other friends of, I think, did note that during the most recent episode that like 30 she seconds after it. she was yeah. liking it. Which for an account that had at that point 200 followers, we're all pretending this was like a big fucking thing. But I mean, Shaw Exposed, that great. Shaw Exposed is the account that released the recordings, right? Or no? No. The recordings of her screaming? Totally different. Uh, oh, what totally was that account? Yeah. I don't remember. And I feel like that was related also to someone who like used to work for her or something. Yeah. Who was maybe this is just like a random fucking at that point, 200 follower account that chose a handle, I guess, to get attention that wasn't successful until it was discovered who was behind it. And they're turning it into like a whole thing now. Um, Okay, so then at about the Utah Jazz. So, <laughs> so Whitney, tell, when they went to Arizona, Whitney was talking mm-hmm. to Heather and Whitney, like, this is what was confusing to me. Whitney was like, yeah. And, and Meredith was like, we were talking about how there are these rumors that Lisa has been with someone and Heather looked surprised. She was like, oh my God, really? Like she was like excited to hear it. But then also surprised. So then it was weird when Whitney was like, you were there when I was told blah, blah, blah. So is that just like a weird production thing where they were like, "Okay, Whitney, you go tell Heather about this. And then, you know, because they already knew about it beforehand and they were just pretending she didn't know. Like, what's going on with that? And the fact that Angie said that she never said that, I think, is bullshit. Whitney definitely her. I don't think Whitney would have repeated it unless she heard it. I don't think I think this whole idea of um, Angie Harrington's selective memory when it comes to her husband yeah, stuff and break. also Utah jazz is like very consistent for a woman who is quite literal trash. Um, mm. But yeah, with the Whitney thing, I, I think at one point Heather essentially said, I, I chose not to hear it, which is like if I heard it, you know, I was blitzed out of my mind and like. If I heard it or chose not to hear it, I think there is a little bit of a gray area there. But Mm -hmm. it does then also contradict Angie Harrington's experience, which is like, we never said anything about that. Okay, so like maybe we intimated something and Whitney's a dum-dum. So like maybe when I said like sucking dick, she heard blowjob. And what I actually meant was like reading the Bible. Like there is some sort of gaslighting I think over Whitney's intelligence that both of these women both Heather and Angie seem to be focused on exacerbating which doesn't to me line up with like what Whitney is actually quite literally saying it's really Um, weird to me that Heather is buddying up with Angie how so don't you think that's kind of in line with her as someone who's very close to Jen Shaw well, now, now I'm seeing that, yes, because that now that's becoming clear to me. Like, oh, Heather is like shady lady. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people thought she was going to have maybe a not so great season. And I don't know that I'm seeing her having like a really terrible season. But I also think like. I think it's just getting started. I, well, that's 100% could be the case. And I also think like her res- her responses to Whitney during the most recent episode, the tail end of the episode were tough. What did you think about that dynamic and 
fight that they were having at the tail end of the episode. I thought that it was really weird. I thought Heather was unfair. Um, Whitney can be a little dense, mm-hmm. but I thought that Heather was being really unfair. And I think she's really like blowing this like obituary thing up too much, you know? Like she's just, I think that, uh, you know, Lisa had to do what she had to do to like prove her point that she was not a piece of shit who, you know, was not uh, cognizant of like, you know, Heather's uh, father's passing or something. So I don't know. And I, I think that we, I think that um, Heather wants blind loyalty from Whitney. Mm. And Whitney is like, and at first I thought Whitney was being like a shit stir and a pain in the ass mm-hmm. at that like lingerie thing when they were all screaming at each other. But I do mm-hmm. actually think that she's going through some real shit. And I do think that she was actually, you know, she was drunk. And but and so the trigger was worse. But I think she was really triggered by Heather, like, denying something, you know. <clears throat> and then Heather is, yeah. like, not, I don't know. Heather's just, Heather's having a time this season. Well, the, the odd thing about that final scene and that fight between them that was so kind of like interesting to me was it felt like Whitney was talking to Heather and Heather was talking to the audience. Yes. So Whitney was saying like, yes, like we're friends. We're friends. We're going through this thing, but I want to talk to you about how much my, f- your, what you did hurt me. And Heather mm-hmm. is saying, you're going to say I'm a bad person to all mm-hmm. of these people. Mm-hmm. I need to respond to that. It yes. was like, Heather thinking of the final edit and Whitney thinking I need to talk to my friend which is like not actually fair to me to even say that because obviously they both understand this is being filmed for reality tv but some people are more intuitive about it like like for instance like Tamara is like Mm. really knows what she's doing with that kind of a thing you know um so I get I get that like I you're totally right that is exactly what what it was like because it and it didn't because it didn't seem like Heather was hearing anything that Whitney was saying you know yeah which I would think if I was Whitney wouldn't that compound the feeling of upset of like this person should be able to take in critique without leaving the room yeah. Is that, but I don't even know if that's like, it felt like Heather was gassed up before did they she throw started her mic recording. Back again? Did she throw her mic back? I think she did. I think she uh, did. I, okay. I feel like I remember her. Yeah, I think that there was that. And it's also like how much of this fight with Whitney, the literal fight that we saw took place, started in her mind 15 minutes before. Mm hmm. Yeah. You're right. Like, I mean, has your perception of Heather changed at all? Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. How just from that, this episode, just from this most recent episode, um, because at first I was like, oh, Whitney's just being annoying, like at the lingerie thing. And like she's trying mm-hmm. to implicate Heather in something. She's drunk. She doesn't know what she's saying, blah, blah, blah. But then when I'm seeing like Heather invite, like had Angie go to the the choir uh, thing mm-hmm. and was like super not um considerate of Jen's feelings about that uh that's like I know she doesn't give a shit about Lisa Barlow but with Jen being very upset about it it's like like what is going on why do these people like Angie what's up with that 
And and Jen tried to insinuate that it's because Angie has a lot of money and will take them on a yacht or something. When you live in Salt Lake City, do you have a a yacht? Can you have a yacht that, on a lake? I mean, I don't know that her yacht is like behind their snow cabin, but I do think <laughs> that we are believe we're being led to believe that she has a fucking shit ton of cash. I mean, if I was anyone in Salt Lake City, I'd be like, I need your 1099 before we go right? on that trip because I don't yeah. want to be shot. I don't want to be hashtag shot exposed again. But exactly, it does. It does seem like it's very. In the way that society has been used on some franchises as the like, she's well known and she's whatever. Mm -hmm. It feels like Salt Lake is more explicitly about cash. Yes, totally. Yes. I don't know why that is. Because it's new, new money, like very new money. Mm. That's what it seems like. And also like, is there, there's not really like, I mean, I guess there is probably like society there, but it's not like society like. How there's society in like New York where there's people who aren't actors or musicians that are in the paper that are in page six, you know, um, I, I, I don't know. Like I just, I, I mean, maybe they have their own version of page six out there. Um, I mean, I think uh, the, I'm just thinking of other versions of page six would be like so fun to see in communities. But like in Salt Lake, I think so much of the culture and probably power and control for many of these women came through their relationships with the church and mm. with their Church of Latter-day Saints community. And I would think for Heather having lost a lot of that because she left the church because of her divorce and everything else. To look at someone, I don't know. I, I think you can find this in any number of different religions, but like in ones where tithing is very explicit, I would think that someone putting up a larger 10% or whatever the percentages of your income would be looked at with a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. Like, and again, this isn't to me yeah. uh, specific to the Mormon religion, but to many different forms of religion in which financial giving is a framework of one's duty and obligation and faith. Um, that to think of the Harringtons, for example, who are, we're being told have enormous wealth or what, or enormous rich, rather, I wonder if there's some connection there when it comes to like the way that they are seen as good, Mm -hmm. maybe being connected to like their financial acumen or something. Does that make any sense? I think there's like a double hander here with Heather trying to find her identity and her friendships and relationships, assuming that she has lost many of them as a result of leaving the church and also the way that wealth is viewed yeah. Both of which could maybe steer her in the direction of someone like Angie Harrington. Okay. I mean, and maybe she wants Angie's like, I mean, it, it might be a thing where she wants like Angie's group of girlfriends to go to Beauty Laser, Beauty Spa. What is it called? Beauty Laser and Spa beauty, or whatever? B- beauty Lab and Laser. Beauty Lab and Laser. <laughs> I mean, I think, that I, and I think that like, you know, networking is a part when you are an adult human person and especially for Heather being a single mom supporting her kids and being a successful business person. I'm sure that's a, I don't know that it is any different from any of these other women with business Meredith Marks wanting these people to shop at her store or wear Mm -hmm. her weird jewelry. Like, (laughs) um, PS, did you notice that when both, um, Whitney and 
uh, Heather did their like stardust rings. Those were Meredith Marks rings. No. They're like $8,500 diamond rings. I looked at Shut all. up. Are you serious? I know. I was like, that looks like costume, but okay. Yeah. I thought that they were just some like whatever rings. Wow. So I know. Did Meredith give those as gifts to them? or Couldn't tell you, but I love that they called them the Stardust because I think that was like the name of the ring. Wow. Oh, my yes. God. Like Pave Diamond, which, you know, everybody's got their vibe. Um, yeah. That's Meredith. <laughs> Do you think that there's a way for for Whitney and Heather to see each other that could come from them truly finding middle ground or how do you think this could move forward noting that obviously as we know the end of the story it does not here's the thing I've noticed that on every single franchise of this show tight relationships last for two seasons and then in the third (laughs) I'm serious and then in the third season it falls apart Bethany Uh and Jill Bethany and Carol, um, Kyle and Lisa, Ka- uh, Lisa and Brandy. Um, let's see what else. Because then, because by the third season, Lisa had really taken a Brandy, and Kyle was like really kind of like on the outs. Um, Tamara uh, and Vicky. Tamara and Vicky. They. I, I mean, because true. Yes, they were off and on and off and on. They would be like, okay. it'd be like very very tight. And then a fight, and then tight, and then a fight. Um, Gretchen, and Jacqueline, Gretchen and Tamara, mm. Teresa mm-hmm. and Jacqueline, um, Melissa and Teresa, <laughs> Melissa, uh, Teresa and Danielle. Um, <laughs> who else? What do you who think else? it is who about in the Atlanta? third season? Oh, um, oh, uh, Candace and Monique in Potomac, Candy and Kim, maybe in Atlanta, Nene and Kim, Candy and Nene and Kim. Yeah. Um. What is it about the third season that changes a friendship or leads to a fracture? I think that it's after a couple of years of watch. Like after the first season, you do see what people say behind your back and you're like, okay, taking it in stride. And then you go into the next season. You kind of forget about that and you're friends again and blah, blah, blah. And then you see all that shit behind your back happen again. And you're like, what the fuck? And then things just start eating at you. And it just kind of erodes the relationship. That's what I think. Oh, uh, Leanne and Deandra. Mm. But uh, Stephanie and what's Brandy. the redhead? Brandy. But then Brandy. they came back around. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that it like the friendship is irrevocably broken. Yeah. But it does show an enormous fracture that's taking yes. place. Yes. Yes. And I think that that's true, though, with a lot of friendships anyway. Like, you know, I think if you don't have a fracture at some point, they're like, because sometimes like there's, I forget what it's called. It's like a certain type of art. I think it's Japanese and I think it has to do with ceramics. Yes. But it's like when something is broken and you, you uh, put it back together, it like makes it more beautiful in a way. Um, Yes. So I think that that, that that's an element with things but then there of course are women who just never speak to each other again and with Heather and Whitney I mean obviously there is something for them to fight for because they have told us again it's like 
any kind of friendship on Housewives is a little bit of performative because it's for cameras. Mm-hmm. But like there obviously is a lot of love there. Is it yeah. realistic that they can focus more on the love or or how do you, how do you process anger with someone who you I would think want to remain close with? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Heather's going to have to figure it out because Jen's not going to be around next year. And because yeah, Andy, and, Andy indicated yeah. already that that he said something like the relationship is over with Jen. Mm-hmm. Like what did, it, that was a weird way to say it, like because the relationship was not over with Teresa. Is it just because Jen's crimes seem, like, seem way, way more egregious? I think so. I think also Teresa's crimes were what she Joe's pled guilty well I mean well Teresa's crimes were more passive I think she Joe knew what he was doing yes I totally believe that Teresa had no idea I I totally believe she was just signing things that he told her to and and that's just how it was going and and yeah she stuck her head in the sand but like she just trusted him to do that and uh, you know a lot of people like you know uh, I've had uh, even my like business, my financial advisor will just give me papers that I have to sign and mm. I sign them and maybe I should be reading them over better, but I trust him that he's doing what's best for me. And, you know, I, I don't understand a lot of legalese and contracts and shit like that when it comes to like mortgages and all that other crap. Like mm-hmm. I didn't read through all my mortgage papers. It was like really dense. So um, I totally believe that Teresa did not know. And but like Jen, it's like another story. And she did plea, right? Like what was she she ended up pleaing out, right, Jen? But yeah, she hasn't she been sentenced her plea yet. And she hasn't been sentenced yet, but she had to say in in court that like she did these things. Like the judge went through line by line of like you're saying that you did this and you're saying that you did this. And it was it's a long process. It's not just like, oh, I'm changing my plea. Goodbye. Like passivity of guilt, I think, matters here. And I think the fact that it wasn't even like LOL federal charges. It was this person who's being accused of being at the top stealing from grannies. level, stealing from grannies, but also doing this for however many years, for however many millions and being in charge of it. Mm-hmm. That's really fucking her. Like it's not even that she's doing these things at a lower level of um, knowledge. She was at the top of the pyramid which is a hard thing for Bravo to have to ignore. But I don't know that she's going to, I think the question a lot of people have, or at least I have is like when Andy said that he also said he would be interested potentially in having a one-on-one sit down with her. Does that mean she's not going to be at the reunion? That's what I want to know too, but she must, they, they, I mean, contractually, right? I think they changed the contract. I think that I don't think that they need her in the way that they, it's not a normal situation of like Mary Cosby not showing up at the reunion, um, which is in its in and of itself slightly abnormal. I think that this is like you, we don't want you as a part of this anymore. So then there will only be four people to be like Real Housewives of New Jersey season two reunion. I don't know that they need more than four for this reunion cycle. I think that maybe Angie might be there for a little bit for us to shit on and then leave. But <laughs> I think the biggest example of their disinterest in having Jen as a part of present time uh, marketing and like showmanship is the fact that they didn't want her at BravoCon, even after she herself flew in. 
she flew. I didn't know about this. I was out of town when, when during BravoCon. So she flew in on her own dime. And then she flew in on her own dime. Tamara talked about it at the girls trip reunion panel, which I was at as well as Salt Lake City. And apparently was either staying with Heather or I don't know what, but was in town, was hoping to sort of surprise people at the panel we had heard the day of the salt lake city panel she was in town because people had seen her out <laughs> i thought it was going to be a surprise she was going to make a surprise appearance at BravoCon. she didn't and uh, allegedly according to somebody somewhere she tried to get in one of the cars to go to legends ball or one of the watch what happens and they told her she was not welcome like okay all right that's different which to right. me is like the most glaring example of you would think she wouldn't want to be there because of her sentencing coming up and what like yeah. what she could say. But it's the opposite. They don't they do not want her as a part of this, which to me is like, oh, OK, she really literally might not be with the they could do a part three maybe at the reunion. And the third part is her and Andy one on one. Yeah, that's possible. That makes sense. That makes sense. Which would be what do you tough. think she's going to get? I think she's she's not going to get anything less than five years. I thought she I think she's going to get close to a decade. I think she's going to get like eight to 10, <sighs> nine to 11. Wow. How could she not? This is like huge. With federal, you can't get out early, right? Like you just no. You do I think the that time. was the whole thing with Teresa. Like Teresa, I don't from what she from how she has described things, and I believe her. She genuinely even if someone had like said this to her, I think she blocked it out which I don't begrudge her for, but like, I don't think Teresa understood that pleading guilty, she really could be sentenced to jail yeah. and would not, you cannot, to my understanding, you can't appeal it. When you've changed your plea for this, it's like you're accepting the consequences oh, yeah, of yeah, what yeah. is about to go down. I don't think that Jen's going to be able to, to do anything once she's been sentenced, but I think the sentencing is going to be pretty tough. Because they didn't need she she they, they didn't they weren't getting anything from her like it's not like she could churn the way Stewart did like they they didn't need anything from her because they were coming for her everybody else yeah. had already turned yeah I think I think that she ended up pleading because I think she realized that she was fighting a losing battle that the prosecution rate in uh, New York federal court is. Mm extremely Same. high and that they don't really they don't even bother to bring a case unless they have a like real solid case because you know it's a lot of money to be wasting and I think that she realized that she was basically spending her children's future on mm. on this losing battle and that I think that's why she kind of threw in the towel or I mean that's just my guess it's like she's spending her children's future but she's also really spending like her victims passed. Oh, you're right. It's true. Like I don't know that they were really saving for their kids' future and whose money were they saving if they were. There is a reason yeah. she didn't own property. They were she was just fucking shitting money that she was burning. Why didn't she own property? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Was it because she didn't want something to be taken? Was she like hiding her money somewhere? It just the whole thing is so crazy. I want to I want to know like more about it. I'm actually really, really sad that it's not going to trial because I really wanted to like watch it. It was in my Google Cal. I was like, <laughs> do you know when her sentencing is? What uh, We're in November. I think it's oh, my God. I think it's December. Maybe I think it's after wow. Thanksgiving, but I could be wrong. I could 100 percent be wrong. Um, what did you think of Jen's 
anger and angst this episode and sort of this she's always like that but like through the lens of like uh you're not a good friend to me in my time of need which is what she seems to be saying about heather oh she's saying yeah i mean um but she's always saying that like she's always like she was doing that when her dad died but her dad had died like way before but she but that's her whole thing that she does she's always doing that and she's always like i i just my Whenever I picture her like screaming and yelling at people, I mostly picture her at when it was a coach's birthday party where she was like dressed like Beyonce in like a long sleeve uh, bathing suit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like with crystals all over it and she's like stomping around. She's like so little. She's like a ball, you know, like she's like so tiny and just like screaming and like, "Ah!" like that's how I um, that's how I think of her in my head. Like that's her aura to me. So like seeing her stomping around and yelling, it's like, okay. That's this is what she does. Like screaming in a bathtub at Whitney, right? That's who she's screaming at in that bathtub, right? Remember? They took baths somewhere. Outdoor baths. It was Heather. Oh yeah, was Whitney there too? I don't even remember, honestly. I really couldn't tell you. Um, it feels like generations ago that took place. It really does. Do you so how do you feel about the current fracture within Lisa and Meredith which wasn't so much a part of this episode but obviously is kind of bubbling underneath the surface here yeah I think that that's never going to get fixed I think that it's going to be different like I think that Meredith will be cordial and will allow herself to have fun with with Lisa and will you know but I don't think that beyond filming that they're going to have much of a relationship and I don't think that I think Meredith like knows that she can't trust her now. And so, I mean, I I would be absolutely on the defensive. Like, after that rant that she did, like, that that was wild. Um, but, you know, I still love Lisa Barlow. I can't help but love her. What is it about her? <laughs> I don't know. She's, don't, like, so I feel ridiculous. I feel the same. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I relate to burritos and Kit Kats. I'm not sure. But, like... <laughs> You guys could bond over cheesecake. I yeah, totally. I mean, I do love Taco Bell. I don't eat it often, but when I do, I like relish it. You know, I've been a vegetarian for 150 years, but even before that, I think I had only had Taco Bell once. It's my I hated it. Oh, it was oh my, vegans I love it because there oh, you no, can get like vegan stuff there. I, I honestly, I'm like gagging in the inside, even thinking about it. There's something about it that's so deeply overprocessed, and it's like so. Uh, and as someone who like it's lo- nice treat. loves actual Mexican food, I'm like, this is an aberration. Like I yeah, just, it's a, it's a I different never thing. It. It's a different so thing. Processed. I don't even it think of it as Mexican thing. food. The Dorito tacos are so good. It's meat inside of a Dorito. <laughs> <laughs> It's exactly it is, what like, it is. It's meat in a chip. It's literally yeah. meat in a... Oh, my God. That makes me want to die. What would you like to see happen with Whitney and Heather? What's, like, your ideal best-case scenario? Oh, they'll get back to... They'll, they'll, Heather is a very forgiving person. If she can forgive Jen, then she can forgive Whitney, you know? But we're not seeing that. We're seeing her forgive Jen... Is it? Do you think it's because she has higher expectations for Whitney? She thinks Maybe. that Whitney is more of like a literal person. Maybe and not a cartoon. But I mean, Jen called her Shrek. Um. 
Yeah. So like that, that's rough. I think that, I think after she, maybe after she's watched these episodes, she might be able to see it a little clearer, you know? Um, it must be really crazy to like have these really intense conversations and mm. intense feelings about stuff and then be able to watch it and then mm-hmm. hear these like talking head interviews uh, of the person that you were talking and then you get to hear more of like what's going on with them like it must really change your perception of or interpretation of events that happen in your life so I, I mean I have no idea what that feels like but it must be um, I don't know substantial right I would think maybe the opposite. Like it deepens your frustration or upset because you're seeing the person not only share to you how they feel, but likely double down in the confessional. And usually in the confessional, it's much, much sharper. It's guided to be that way. And it's also like your innermost id coming out. Like I, I would think if you're already feeling defensive about your behavior being misconstrued, as I think Heather might feel right now, I would think at this point she's just really, really pissed. Because I think as Heather was, you know, it was like the proscenium stage. Like as she was watching Whitney say to the world that Heather was a bad friend slash bad person in Heather's mind, I would think watching these episodes and watching Whitney expand on that in confessionals would probably increase Hmm. the divide. Hmm. Okay. The way that I am just just from watching home movies, when I Mm. watch myself, I'm like, ugh, (laughs) shut up. (laughs) So so, like, I think that if I saw like fight, I think my my like go to would be like, oh my god, Tracy, shut up. And I would like maybe see maybe I would see things a little differently. I don't know. Well, but I also think you're probably open to that. I don't know that I don't know that like uh, any of these women are really open to like growth or listening to each other. That's true. Uh, as being <laughs> the priority over defending each other to each other, you know? I mean, Andy said that what makes a perfect housewife is a woman who has strong opinions about how she lives her life and about how others should live theirs, which is, you know, when they have strong opinions about how other people should live their lives, then it's hard to, you know, back down from that. I think that's also why Salt Lake is like giving this season because they all obviously have very strong opinions about each other. It really is kind of working out in our favor right now. I, I did not ever think that Salt Lake was going to be, first of all, this diverse, although this season is less diverse than Mm -hmm. previous seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that was like no fault of the producers. I did think that they had, what was her name? Jenny? Mm-hmm. I think that they really were going to bring her back before all that shit, you know, popped yeah. up. Because um, that's why there's only five women this year. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't think it would be, I didn't think I would love it this much. Salt Lake City and Potomac are the two shocking, like if you had come to me and said, this is where we're going to do Housewives seasons, I'd be like, oh, ugh. Um, like a boring because like Potomac's is an extension of DC, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, but they're my favorites. They're my favorites. 
And, you know, we talk about, listen, Beverly Hills gets bananas ratings, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's the glitz and glamour and diamonds and rosé. New York City, we've got the vibe. We've got the energy. You think of these places because they're the big cities. Yeah. But I love to be surprised in the ways that we have been about, like, smaller communities or, you know, big communities that we just some of us might not know about like I truly didn't know anything about Salt Lake City I wouldn't have been able to tell you where Potomac was located it's like the idea of like what is it the fucking east coast west coast like bubble or whatever that is a thing that exists for a lot of people and I say that as somebody from Rhode Island but even as a Rhode Islander I'd be like I don't know if there's like if there's people living this like that kind of life in Rhode Island I I don't know where not really Newport like maybe I don't know Barrington like aspects of Providence like I I would be surprised if they did a Real Housewives of whatever in my state because that's not necessarily my community that's what's been so invigorating about this is like the ways that Bravo has surprised us and kind of opened us up even through like the superficial lens of like oh my god they got a fucking ton of cash over there like holy shit and like storytelling too we it 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 is like a little bit of a uh opener to a lot of people who are so used to kind of stereotypical ideas of where storytelling exists and where escapism can exist I mean wait oh Real quick before, yeah, I know me. we've been we talking to, for a long we've time. We've been talking forever. We've been talking um, forever. I, I did love Beverly Hills this season. I thought it was so much mm. better than previous seasons just because of, I feel, I feel like maybe I felt very invested in the Garcelle son thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and, and all the day. Di- and of course we are personally invested in the Diana Jenkins thing is we were sent cease and desist. <laughs> <laughs> you were sent a cease and desist. I th- shout out to me not having yet received one. God bless. But she did name me in court documents. Oh no, I didn't. I never received season. it. That's like the joke of it is that she took a picture and then never sent. I never got it. I never got it. Did Jezebel? <laughs> do you did yeah. you follow up with anybody at Jezebel? Did they ever get it? Yeah, no, they didn't get did it. But oh, I'm weird. Okay, I'm pretty sure. And then um, and I should ask my friend uh, Lars if she got hers. But um, yeah. I uh, I was very invested in that that whole thing of you know the 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 off screen stuff on Beverly mm. Hills was feeding into the on screen stuff and I loved that and I loved all the Kathy Hilton shit and the Lisa Rinna I don't know how what they're gonna do for next season but uh, I've heard rumors about them approaching uh, Lisa Vanderpump and I think that is very interesting. Sometimes you like with Tamara, like and Heather Debro. Sometimes you and 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 your Wi-Fi, your modem or whatever whatever it's called, your Wi-Fi router. Mm-hmm. You have to unplug it and then plug it back in for it to work. <laughs> <laughs> you see a reboot. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! You know, Andy said recently at something, and it might have been during like a Q and A at something. That he there, there was some sort of thing uh, sort of skirting this a little bit, but like I don't see that happening. Like the I, mm-hmm. he didn't see, I think, Lisa Vanderpump returning. I think it would make a lot of sense for Lisa to return. It would make a lot of sense for everyone for Lisa to return, especially if Rinna was back. Because if Kathy had like Vanderpump in her corner, yeah, I or think Vanderpump had Kathy in her corner. A hundred percent. It would be a very interesting dynamic, but 
I don't know that that is going to happen right now. Even though if I was Vanderbump, I'd be like, yeah, let me get me get me back on that fucking show. Like, yeah, let's right? make that happen. But with Rinna, do you want Rinna to return? Which I know is a loaded question, but here I go uh, yeah, asking um, it anyway. I don't really know the answer to that because mm-hmm. she has been annoying me for seasons now, like several seasons. Yeah. But the you. thing is that she does bring it. She brings it. Mm-hmm. She does the dirty thing that no one else wants to do and, you know, and 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 brings it. Uh, mm-hmm. So in that respect, yeah, I do want to see her back. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I also think that she that Erica's story wouldn't be as interesting without Lisa to mm. be because uh, if if. Erica didn't have Lisa, the other women wouldn't be like that nice to her. You know what I mean? Lisa's the one that's like the nicest to her. So I feel like Lisa makes Erica feel comfortable enough to talk about all of this shit and to be an asshole, really. Like, I mean, Erica was just such like a complete asshole this last season. Um, And I never liked Erica. I she only got interesting to me once all this shit started happening to her, like when shit Mm. got real, because I think she was just being phony before. How surprised were you when that when the whole thing about Tom came out? And Not surprised this- at all. I remember at the first BravoCon, we were walking from the one uh, venue to the other, and we were with a group of people. And we were all talking about like Dorit and PK, and I was like, "Yeah, people say oh that God, about." Oh my God! Wait, I feel like I remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. People say that about Dorit and PK, but I think that like the real money issue is like Tom and and Erica. Like he has a couple lawsuits that are not settled and like I don't know lawyers that have private jets like that and I was like I think something big is gonna happen to them and it's ended up being a lot bigger than I thought it was gonna be but like I it seemed like it it just didn't smell right it was just it just didn't seem right and I felt the same way about Jen Shaw too well I also have to say for anyone who's not following you on social you do so many incredible incredible deep dives I mean Jamila Jamil every day of her life is absolutely shaking like (sighs) on the b scale of one to ten b's and you guys if you don't know what I'm talking about you fucking google Tracy Morrissey and Jamila Mm. Jamil my god or go to her (laughs) ig immediately is there if there was a situation circumstance or question that you had of like what's the thing that I really want to get more information on or what's the person who I like have a weird vibe about is there a bravo leb or someone who comes to mind or someone outside of bravo my god like is there someone who you have dot 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 thoughts about or questions about let me think hmm i mean yeah uh yeah i don't know there are people who like have I don't know. Sometimes it just like comes to me like mm-hmm. like with Dane Cook announcing his engagement oh with that woman who is much, much, much younger. And then when I just started like going into his Instagram and then looking at all these other very young women on his Instagram that were at parties years ago. I mean, I'm talking 14 years old, some of the girls. Um, that really like piqued my interest. And that was like something where I just like started going crazy. And I had never even thought about Dane Cook before that. So mm-hmm. um like, I don't know. Sometimes there'll be things that pop up. Um, but so far, right now, who's shady? I don't know. I, I feel like I, I feel like the call the call outs of like the shady money thing, I feel like so right now those have been called out already. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's anything else shady going on in Beverly Hills. 
with I mean I feel like Dorit and PK will always have some kind of like shit but I don't Questions. that I don't really understand yeah but like it's not on the level that Tom Girardi's was at it's not on like he like PK had like bad gambling debts like that were like in the millions but not in the tens of millions uh right. Tom Girardi allegedly stole tens of millions of dollars from people like victims actual victims people who like like a, right. that guy who got burned who almost was burned alive that was that was nuts his girlfriend died that like all of those that was a great little documentary that ABC News did on Hulu yeah um what, I love the that Hustler and the Housewife I want to say yes right? was yes that the one that it was? yeah or the Housewife um, and the Hustler something like that Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that there were, I mean, my God, there have been a couple at this point. I think it's also the oh, difference between wait. losing money and stealing it. What? Tell I me. I know. I know who I want to look into. Louis, Teresa's <gasps> husband. Something's up Oy there, right? Because he doesn't work. He doesn't work. He doesn't have a job. He did say at his re- I'm at pretty the reunion sure, that he right? did lose his job from Housewives. He joins yeah. that illustrious group. But he also, he also, I don't know what... He had been doing before because he I know he had he had some kind of like marketing, quote unquote, marketing. Mm-hmm. And that's marketing is such an umbrella that it's like you don't know right. what it could possibly right. be because Jen said she was in marketing. Um, right. So he had sold that company, but I think he had been pushed out. That's what I heard mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. from a little source. But um, yeah, I should look into that guy because something's not right there. And I want everything to I, – it would be great if she had, like, a happily ever after. I don't know about that. Um, also, she's she's a dark character. Like, to, to shit on your brother like that. Although she was apparently on some podcast with, like, a – did some producer of the show start a podcast? A former producer? So she – I think she had Carlos King on her podcast, and she was also on his, and he was her producer on The Real okay. Housewives of New Jersey. He was, like, her literal producer. And he um, was saying that um, he was basically validating all the stuff about how Joe and Melissa were really just trying to get on the show and that Joe was just making a big stink at the funeral because he was trying to have, like, a Teresa moment of flipping the table mm. – and I mean, Joe does love being a house husband more than any other person, more than Frank Katana, anybody. He that's that's what he loves. I mean, it is a real to be continued. Yeah, totally. I need to have you back ASAP. We've been talking for 800 hours. I'm so thankful. Thank you so much for coming back on. I cannot believe we talked about Bethany Frankel for a literal hour and I haven't even I could talk to longer. I could talk longer. <laughs> I could talk I could talk to you literally all day. There's nothing I want to do more, Tracy Morris. You know I'm obsessed with you. Tell the AGs where they can follow you on social and also note that a lot of the deep dives that you've done are saved to your highlights on IG, yeah. right? So on people Instagram, can like yeah. look through the Dane Cook thing is so dark and so scary and weird. So like you know, guys like gird your loins style before you check it out it's very intense but I'm really glad that you did that deep dive tell people where they can follow you all that good stuff listen to pot psychology pot psychology is available wherever you listen to podcasts uh we I do deep dives on there too on on weird things like uh mm-hmm. Elliot Smith's death and and Desiree Jennings she was uh wait the woman who's that, death Elliot Smith and oh uh I don't believe he was I don't believe it was suicide. 
Um, so I have an episode about that and um, with a lot of court documents and stuff. Anyway, you can follow me online, Tracy Morrissey, Tracy with an IE um, on everything and uh, pipedreams.fun. Listeners of Andy's Girls, <gasps> uh, if you <laughs> if you put in the discount code AG2022, you can get 20% off of your purchase. Oh my God. That's incredible. <laughs> How long is that going to go on until? Um, uh, probably Black Friday. Tracy Morrissey, you know I'm obsessed with you guys. You know what else I'm obsessed with when you join the Andy's Girls Patreon? Number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more. Satchel Spectacular is up now at patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. And of course, Satchels of Gold named in honor of Her Holiness Kelly Clorn Ben Simone. And P.S. I guess Bethany also took ownership or credit for satchels of gold being a thing Did that she? Kelly said I don't I have to listen to that fucking episode guys um satchels of gold are your thoughts and feels questions and concerns about all things housewives follow me on instagram at dame galley and slide into my dms with your satchels of gold you might hear them featured on an upcoming patreon episode my god tracy morrissey thank you for coming on this 18 hour thank you episode. for having and, me oh my god i lit- we literally in the words of bethany frankel mentioned it all and i'm so appreciative to you <laughs> for <laughs> all of your time and <laughs> intelligence all that and more guys hope you're all doing okay and we will chat with you soon bye-bye Bye.